Welcome to Kinks and Beats Daily. I'm your host, Tony Fry. This is episode 186. And today we're talking about 20th Century Man by the Kinks. If this is your first time listening, welcome to the pod. If this is uh, not your first time, thanks for coming back. We took a little bit of a break, but we are back to our normal schedule now. And I hope that you will all swing by our Facebook group, Kinks, uh, facebook.com slash groups slash Kinks and Beats, and follow us on Twitter at Kinks and Beats. Um, on Twitter at Kinks and Beats. And of course, you can always swing by herohabit.com for information on how to get a hold of me. So today we're talking about 20th Century Man, which was released November 24th, 1971, on the Muswell Hillbillies album and is a single in December 1971 in the US, where it peaked at number 106. There were no singles for this album in the UK, which is strange because the album got uh, great reviews in the UK. So you'd think they'd try to capitalize on that and put out something, but they uh, they did nothing. Muswell Hillbillies, one of my all-time favorite albums by any artist. Um, I'm not sure that this was the right choice as a single. There are some uh, songs on this record that would have fit well on the radio in 1971. And um, I mean, it's not a bad choice, but I don't know if it was the best choice. But that said, it did um, just shy of breaking the top 100. I've been asking for you to send in songs that you've changed your opinion on over the years, either for better or for worse. And for me, this is one of the Kinks songs that I've come around on. Because I uh, admittedly would skip this track a lot and just go straight to Acute Schizophrenia Paranoia Blues, which is the second track on the album. This is the opener of Muswell Hillbillies. And whenever I listen to the album, I'd usually just start at track two. But as I gotten older, um, and you know, this song comes up on the shuffle every now and then, or you know, in playlists, I've come to really enjoy this song. I still think it runs a little long, but I mean, it's a good, good track as an album opener. It, it works great with its because it has a soft acoustic opening and it moves into a cool blues groove and then slowly builds over the six minutes. And the one drawback that it may have from an audio standpoint is that it's incredibly quiet during the first 90 seconds. And some of the vocals just get lost. Even when you're playing it at a fairly reasonable volume, sometimes it just, it almost disappears into silence. Um, for me, Muswell is nearly perfect as an album. But there are some moments, particularly in this track, that could do for a modern remix. And I know they purposely um, wanted to have an antiquated sound. The overall sound of this album is very old-fashioned. And to me, it's always sounded like a band showed up at the pub and plugged in and started playing and had a few pints along the way and, and got a little bit drunk and a little bit sloppy along the way. Um, and so this this album sonically has that vibe to it but you can still have a good mix even though you have this old-fashioned recording technique or overall sound and i think um if they remix this which i'm sure they will they're doing all the other albums if this one gets the treatment next year that it deserves alongside lola and arthur and village green that those albums have received um, i think you can remix this in a way that still honors that classic old-fashioned sound that they were going for, but makes it just a little bit more listenable, like on headphones or whatever. And if they can't do it, then uh, give me a call. I'll give it a try. 
Um, so like I said, it, it gets a little quiet in spots, but then we get to about three minutes and 30 seconds into this song and it just busts out and the band sounds great. This is a great reminder of what a solid band of musicians this was, not just, you know, rock stars, but just, just straight up musicians. Um, great arrangement. Dave's slide guitar and the electric fills are fantastic. Mixed drumming, as always, is top notch. Uh, John Gosling's keyboards on this, on a level I don't think we've really seen so far during his tenure. We've had, you know, very little time with John Gosling at this point. Lola and Percy um, being the albums that we've seen, we've heard him on. But this song, he comes out of the gate and is just killing it on the keyboards. And um, although it's not as present in the mix as I'd like, John Dalton is shredding on bass. Listen to the last half of this song. He doesn't even appear on the first half, really. And I think that might have also been a mistake as far as the single goes, is you've got a single that, even though it's kind of a rock single, um, the first half of it is just acoustic guitar, vocal, and drums. And I think maybe having the bass in that mix as well would have made it a little bit better for radio. And then you can still build it by adding the extra layers of electric guitars and, and the and the organ and keyboard and all that kind of stuff. But Dalton is just shredding some of these bass lines. Really, really good playing. Um, the single that we've talked about a few times now, it's a full two minutes shorter than the LP, and you can find it on YouTube. Um, as far as I know, it's the only place you can find it. Uh, I don't recall it being released anywhere else. Um, maybe there's a legacy edition that I'm forgetting that's got the single edit, but, um, well, let me look right now while I'm talking, but you can find it on YouTube if you haven't heard it already. Um, no, the legacy edition does not have it. So there you have it. Go on YouTube and listen to the single. It is shorter. Uh, it cuts out the quiet acoustic beginning and just goes straight into the groove. Um, but like I said, it still suffers from the lack of bass and keys in the first bit. But once the track gets going, it's hard to believe that it didn't take off uh, on the charts because bands like The Band and Faces were doing tracks right in this same wheelhouse and and getting hits off of it. You know, maybe not number one hits, but top 40. And to me, this always sounded like an album that The Faces wanted to make. You know, I, I hear a lot of similarities between the two the two bands sonically on this as always i'll never understand how the band chooses their singles or why they didn't get the respect they deserved um especially considering lola is a massive hit just a year earlier and this one doesn't do anything you'd think there'd be enough momentum off of that single that this would at least break the top 100 just out of curiosity maybe it should have been marketed to country stations instead of rock I don't know. But then this is the most rock song on the album. Who knows? Lyrically, it touches on a topic that Ray's explored extensively to this point. And it's also the focus on a lot of this album in general, which is nostalgia and the worries of losing touch with our past. You know, he sings uh, in the first lines, this is the age of machinery, a mechanical nightmare. So already you know where he stands on this. He's um, not really hip to this new world that he's living in. Then he juxtaposes, this is a great line, the wonderful world of technology. So you think, you know, at surface, 
that's a admirable thing. But then you quickly learn that he's being sarcastic when he lists the wonderful world of technology achievements, napalm, hydrogen bombs, and biological warfare. Real happy stuff. He does um, reference the people in gray when he's discussing um, being born into a welfare state and being controlled by bureaucracy and the people in gray. And uh, Here Come the People in Gray, of course, is the opening track of side two of the album. And if you listen to it, it kind of serves as a sister track to this one in terms of musical vibe. And obviously, as, a, as, as is referenced in this song, they are connected lyrically. Maybe it could have been a, a, a better single too, but what do I know? The track was recorded um, sometime between August and October 1971. There aren't exact dates known on this one. And the only, curiously, the only exact dates available for songs during these recording sessions for Muswell Hillbillies are for two tracks that wouldn't even appear on the album. They'd show up later um, in on the 1998 CD re- reissue as bonus tracks. But those are the only two songs that we know um, a date that they were recorded. And all of this album is recorded as the band is prepping a U.S. tour and negotiating a major new deal with RCA Records, which will have the next five albums of theirs. So it's a very busy time for the band. It's still riding high um, off of the Lola successes. Harmonically, there's not much to talk about with this song. Um, part of its blues country vibe stems from the fact that it uses basic blues and country chords. And if you can play an A, D, E, and a G chord, you'll get through it pretty easily. One cool thing that he does on this is a a trick I always show my, my guitar students because uh, nobody does it more than Keith Richards. But if you're playing like an A chord where you just, you've got um, your finger across three, the second, third, and fourth strings. So play it like one finger instead of using three fingers. And then if you drop, so I'm on the second fret, and then I drop my middle finger on the second string at the third fret, and my ring finger at the fourth string on the fourth fret. Now I'm playing a D chord. Now, you can use it as a D chord, or you can use it kind of as a fill chord where you've got like this harmonic, you know, a lot like you would do like a, a lot like that. So you hear it a lot. Um, a lot of riffs, rock riffs are based off of it, you know, like, uh, wait, how's that go? I just forgot how to play it, but um, it's it's used a lot. So he's using that here. So a lot of times when it says it's going to a D chord, it's not really going to a D chord because he's still got that A in the bass. It's it's more used as a fill. So that's a cool little trick you can do. Um, if you just want to add some fills to your rhythm guitar part, it's a really good acoustic guitar part um, that Ray's laying down and shows off a little bit that, you know, even though he's known as a songwriter and frontman, he is actually a very skilled and competent guitar player. 
Um, during the bridge, he does shift to E minor, but it's still pretty basic chords in a pretty standard order. And that's not a criticism. There's just, there's a reason these things work and it delivers the exact mood that the song in this album requires. Overall, this is still not my favorite song on the on on what is one of my favorite albums. But like I said earlier, it has climbed up my personal chart. You know, musically, there's so much cool stuff happening and it ends up being a great album opener, which is something the Kinks were really good about, um, especially in this kind of golden age of Kinks albums. I mean, you've got albums that open with Victoria, Here Comes Yet Another Day, The Contenders, and this. That's Those are some solid album openers. So this is one song that I've changed my opinion on. Which songs have you changed your opinion on over the years? Give me a call at 925-494-1739. And whether it's good or bad, maybe it's a song you loved as a kid and you hate as an adult or vice versa. I want to know what the song is, um, what caused you to change your opinion, and in what way your opinion has changed. And um, we're stockpiling these voicemails for a future bonus episode. So just give me a call, 925-494-1739. Of course, you can email me kinks and beats at herohabit.com and um you can get all the information you need about this podcast and everything else going on at herohabit.com all right that's it for me today uh thanks for listening make sure you subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts and swing by itunes whether you listen there or not swing by itunes and leave us a five-star rating interview all right uh thank you so much talk to you next time